In this episode, we talk about Less Annoying CRM's latest sales experiment. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about founders who are in it for the long haul. I'm Rick, and I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. And I'm Tyler. On the side, I work with Rick on Leg Up Health, but my main business is a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. What's up this week, Tyler? A lot. I always, I feel like I always say, oh, not that much, just as like a normal automatic greeting, and then I actually have a lot of stuff to talk about. So I've got stuff to talk about today. Ooh. Stuff's going on. Tell me more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got a, a, updates on a variety of different things. Um, one, I like kind of more personal, well, it's work-related, but I've been working nights and weekends more lately, which I feel like for a couple of years I've kind of been saying is a goal of mine, and I haven't been doing it much. Like two years ago, that was my kind of like yearly goal for myself. And then when we did the recap, I hadn't done it at all. And I feel like I've kind of hit a little bit of momentum here. Is it because of something you're doing intentionally or is it because like the the stars are aligning and it's just happening naturally? Yeah, I think it's both. Uh, I the The version of stars aligning is I've been doing a lot more coding lately. Like I'd say at least two full days of coding per week. Um, And that's just... A, it's work I enjoy more, but even aside from enjoyment, I feel like if I have a, a day full of meetings, at the end of the day, I'm just like, well, A, I'm exhausted. I don't want to work more. And B, I can't have another meeting at 7 p.m. There's no one to meet with, right? Like, so, I, and I don't have any momentum going into it. Whereas if I spend the whole day coding, five o'clock can come and I can just be like, well, I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, so that's the stars aligning part. But then the other thing I've been doing, I don't know if you ever do this, but I found myself... So I'm like, okay, I've been coding. There's stuff I am excited about working on. And then I've got like an email inbox. I haven't been like overwhelmed or anything, but I've got like five random things I need to handle. And it's always tempting to be like, it's nighttime. Like this is kind of bonus hours. I don't have to, like, this is a time to catch up is how I sometimes feel. So like, let's go answer some emails or let's go do the things I don't want to do. The last couple of weeks, I've had a rule for myself, which is if it's not nine to five Monday through Friday, I have full permission to work on just whatever I want. It doesn't have to be the most important thing for the company. It doesn't have to be the top of my priority list, just whatever I think would be fun. Um, and as a result, I've been able to just, you know, keep moment, you know, I've probably put in an extra 20 hours off hours over the last week, just having fun, but it's still like stuff that's really valuable and, and good to be working on. I, I love that. Like if you, if you, if you work extra, it feels like it should be things that motivate you and give you energy. And there's so often like I, I spend my, I'm just thinking through how I spend my extra time. It's like catching up off the stuff that I don't want to do. Um, yeah. And that doesn't make me want to work more hours. It makes me want to get done with it as quickly as possible and move on. Right. Exactly. And if, if you have the willpower to, to power through it, I think that's fine. But I just kind of accepted the fact that if it's something like I'm at a point in my life where I don't need to work after five, I don't need to work more than 40 hours a week. And I just wasn't doing it if it wasn't fun. And so I just kind of accepted that. And so, yeah, anyway, I'm having a great time with it. That's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, sorry, I have this notion doc. Did I have other things I wanted to say there? No, I said it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also want to give an update on something I think we talked about in the last episode that we're going to put like a little talk to sales uh, kind of call to action on our homepage. You remember talking about that at all? Uh, my guess is you decided not to do it. We did it. What? It's done and it's going great. That um, is a surprise. Yeah. As a reminder, this is, it was actually a suggestion from a listener. Uh, and it sounds obvious. Like, 
when someone comes to our website, let them talk to our salesperson. That that sounds obvious. Previously, what we were doing is buying leads and our sales guy was like calling, you know, emailing and calling leads. They were like warm and that they filled out a form. But like, anyway, now you go to our homepage or our pricing page. Uh, if you wait 10 or 15 seconds, a little thing will pop up that's like, would you rather talk to sales? And it just goes straight to his Savvy Cal link to book a time with him. And it's booking meetings that were, were not being booked previously. Yeah. So I think we're averaging something like three-ish meetings per uh, day for him. Um, 100% attendance, which is big because like previously when we buy leads, and again, I, I, I need to stress, when we buy them, these are people looking for a CRM who like on the phone with the lead gen service, they book a call with Alex. But 50% of the people don't show up because they're, they're just not warm enough. And then of the people who do show up, he has to like hound them and eat, like there's all this follow up and stuff. The people coming to our website who, who click on this are obviously interested in us. Um, so way more qualified. And he said 100% attendance so far. He said uh, almost all multi-user accounts and some are like 20 to 30 user accounts, which is bigger than what we were getting when we were buying the leads. Um they're all really interested, like probably a very high percentage of them will, will become customers. So and it's going I, really I, well. I'd be willing to bet that a lot of these customers are, are going elsewhere previously. These are people who were not converting online. You're not like... Yeah. That's the thing that's... It's hard to know for sure. Some of these probably would have converted, but like, you know, qualitatively, one of them was like, I was just on your website trying to get an answer. Couldn't get it. I was about to leave. This thing popped up. I said, yeah, let's see if they can answer it. So certainly there are, there are some examples where they they told us they would not have used us otherwise. You're going to get so much good feedback on on these calls. Even if there's no like additional revenue that comes through, just the, the feedback on the experience from a live mm-hmm. person, it's going to be huge. Yeah. So so far, I'm willing to call this a big win. Now, can, can we go into brainstorm mode for a second? Sure. What I want is for this to be Alex's, our, our sales guy's full-time job. Um, the th- three calls a day is like, it's not that far off. Like that's a third of a full-time job or something. It, when you factor in, there's also some follow-up and he's also got other stuff like bigger leads that need multiple calls. So he's got other stuff going on too. But what I'd love to do is turn off buying leads entirely, partially because it's always kind of been a waste of time. And also it's we're spending $60,000 a year on the leads themselves. So even if, if we can just get the same result, but not spend $60,000 a year, that's already a pretty big win. So but we're already kind of like doing, it's a pretty obvious in-your-face CTA right now. I don't know what we can do to book more of these calls. I have one idea, but I wanted to hear your thoughts before I so, get So the brain, you, you want to brainstorm, how do, we, how do we get more than three meetings per day? It could be how to get more than three. It could just be like, at the end of the day, the question is, how do we use Alex's time effectively? And I don't think the software advice PPL thing we've been doing is, like having seen it, like this thing working, it makes it so obvious that the other thing wasn't. Well, well, before you turn off the the software advice thing, like, is that turning in? Is that paying back? Like, is that a profitable channel for you? It is barely profitable. It is, so the payback period is like three years on uh-huh. the money we're spending, and that doesn't count Alex's time. So basically, no. And are these are these good customers that you're getting that are expanding over time or uh, leading to referrals that are excited, um, or are these people that? You know, maybe I'd already hit your website or are unsophisticated buyers, not ideal customers. Any, any, any... I don't think I don't think they're people who would hit our website. Otherwise, I, they seem to be pretty standard small accounts, like one to five user accounts, but otherwise normal. So the way I would think about something like this is um, just to kind of frame the conversation a little a little bit differently is you've got uh, you've got like sort of you know in the in the growth 
uh, circle uh, dartboard channels uh, that you're testing. Like you've got this software advice thing that's probably like you 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 were playing with it and you were pushing on it, but now you've got a better sort of mousetrap. And so shifting your resources towards that mousetrap to maximize it makes t- total sense to me. Um, I would just like, if you decide to pull a software advice, I would just make sure you document sort of learnings and have it like ready to turn back on mm-hmm. at some point. So you don't lose the effort. Like there's, there's some major value in what you've invested in so far. You don't want to like start from zero again. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but like the way I would be thinking about this is like max Alex out, save the 60 K you can then reinvest the 60 K into a new high, a sales hire eventually, if you can really maximize this out um, and then turn back on the software advice leads, if you need more leads at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where I go. Um, so, so how do we get more sales calls for Alex on the traffic that's already coming to the website within the flow that you're already doing is the, is the brainstorm. Yeah, that's right. And I, I have an idea to pitch you. I realize I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Um, and or so it's how do you get more calls? The other thing is like if it's possible, a good way to spend his time is to follow up more with the people he's already talking to. Um, I'd want to I'd want to pay attention to his pipeline. So I think this is less about more calls right now. You're three calls a day is a lot. Um, so for 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 phase one, so uh, mm-hmm. you can run, you can learn a lot from three calls a day over a course of a month. That's three calls a day times twenty business days. That's sixty calls. Um, that's 60 opportunities. So I, you know, I would be wanting to know like how many, how many, uh, of these 60 calls were qualified, what's the revenue potential and what's the win rate. And then what's the, I'd want to understand the, the, the sales cycle here. So yeah. Are we creating opportunities for these? I think you call them deals in your, in your platform. Uh, pipelines. pipelines. So we have a, we have a lead pipeline. So they're, lead they're going in as leads. Yeah. Yeah. So like how, you know, what is our win rate on these, you know, and how much mm-hmm. time are they taking to close? How many calls, that kind of thing. And I'll be really focused on honing that to understand, uh, what, what this channel can produce. And then I would also want to compare that to, um, historicals. Like, are we getting, are we seeing a massively an uptick in anything, whether it's more conversions on the traffic we're getting? Um, is it, uh, higher ACVs, uh, mm-hmm. annual contract values. Is there anything that stands out here? I, I, I'd be more interested in like understanding like how to convert what I'm getting than getting more leads. Um, and Well, yeah. And uh, sorry, I guess that was, we're doing that okay. for sure. Um, he has, if we turn off or the, the plan right now is to cut software advice volume in half um, to free up time for this. Uh, the question is like, can we kill the rest and fill that time productively. Got it. So, okay. That, that's a more specific question. You're turning off. So you want to turn off software advice, but you need to, you, you don't want to lose uh, the calendar time for Alex. Yeah. Um, so the, the two main things I'm considering here uh, and everything you just said is absolutely right. I just kind of skipped that part, but yeah, like we're like, he's putting everyone in a pipeline. We're going to track conversion rate. It's so early. We don't have any of those numbers yet, but um, qualitatively it's obvious that it's working way better than software advice was. But one is spend more time on follow-ups, and the other is try to get on more conversations. Can I throw an idea at you here? Yeah, of course. So the, the question is, of all the people on our site for any reason, who are the ones most, who are best, the best fit for do you want to talk to Alex? And one of the challenges with this is Multi-user scheduling. accounts. Well, yeah, we don't necessarily, well, that's after someone signed up and paid. Mm-hmm. Or, or not necessarily paid, but we don't know if they're a multi-user account right off the bat. Um. So what we're toying with, the, the scheduling is really hard. So there's times where it's like, he's got a free 30 minutes, but he doesn't have a call. Like, what does he do? What we're toying with is any, so our, if you go to our site, there's like a, uh, I forget what the language is. It's try a live demo. I think it says, see how it works or something. 
if you click on that, it like takes you into the lesson. It's like a real lesson knowing Serum account, but you didn't have to sign up. It's just a live demo. We're toying with if Alex has free time, just like giving him like, here's a list of all the people who are doing a live demo right now and like characteristics about what they've done. And then he could just push a button and it would pop up a thing on their screen saying, hey, I'm free right now if you want me to walk you through this. Uh, and then just put them in a video chat immediately. If you if they when they fill out get get your test account um, for that demo walk live demo walkthrough, do they put in any information about themselves to get the the demo? Like, do you collect any data about the person? By demo, do you mean like the free trial or the live demo thing? I'm talking about um, the live demo thing you're talking about. Like when they when they go through that and he's like looking at the list of people in a live demo. Like, does, yeah. do you, does he know like where they're based, like what industry they're in, um, what how many accounts they, how many users they would have? So the, our goal is to keep that as low friction as possible. The only thing we ask them is their industry because we'll customize the demo for them. Um, so we'll know their industry now based on their IP. We can know where they're located. We can see, like, have they visited the manage users page? So we can see stuff like what has their behavior been in there, but we don't have information we've collected from them, if that makes sense. So the real, the only thing I would change to what you're saying is I would add one more field there is how many accounts are, do you estimate you need to, mm. uh, you know, before you go, go to your test account? And then, you know, mm. if it's over a certain amount, uh, then flag Alex. I like that. I, I would push back on that if I thought it provided no value to the user because the reality is the vast majority of our customers are self-serve. I don't want to like make it worse for them to make help it optional. here. Well, yeah. So I think, but I think it'll actually help the demo experience because mm -hmm. it's like, if you're going to be by yourself, because like, the demo comes with four users by default, so you can see how multi-user stuff works. If you're going to be by yourself, we shouldn't even show you those other users. Yeah, that's a great so, idea. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. just me or like, let us customize the number of users so you can see how complex features or not, you know, like, yeah, there's a, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great, like lead That's awesome. Yeah. I like that idea. And then, yeah, um, so if, you, if you can identify people that are like looking for multiple users, like you could even like more aggressively do the talk to sales call to action faster. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I, that's what I would be. I, I guess where I was going with my question, when you asked me like, who's most likely to book a call, I said multi-user accounts. But what I was really saying was, how do you identify uh, you know, more uh, the subset of traffic that is for multi-user accounts and then right. give that a more custom sales first experience because um, that's what they probably want in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's even a way on the marketing site to this. This is probably too annoying. Again, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and make the self-serve experience bad, but you could imagine go to the pricing page and then like if the multi-user price is behind a tab or something where they have to click to indicate they're curious what the price is for more than one user, just anything like that, that could flag, hey, this is a person we want to, you know, try and schedule a call with. Yeah, anything that's that, probably too much. Anything I, I agree with, like, like you kind of have to plant a flag and say, like, we will not, we we cannot make the current experience worse. Like that's our constraint. But if there's mm -hmm. a way to like have people like self-select by like out of the current flow uh, with call to actions, like the talk to sales, like what you've done so far, there's a reason that people are clicking on it and that they tend to have larger accounts. Like the current flow isn't working for those people. Um, yeah. And so if you can identify areas where people can sort of self-select out without you know it being a, a like annoying um yeah then that's like triggers those are lead triggers for uh for a sales team or alex in this P case putting that question on the the demo creation pages yeah that that's a great idea I, I i just got what i wanted out of this conversation um so yeah i'll and yeah i'll think more about the other thing i've got to call a meeting with alex later today
So great. Thank can we you. can um, we talk a little bit? Uh, just like uh, I, I think it's interesting to think about uh, buyer psychology uh, when you're selling like a to, to a decision maker who is the user versus a mm-hmm. decision maker who is often like representing different end users. Like it's a very different like how do you market to that to that person? How do you sell to that person? Um, we deal with this a lot at Lega Health where it's like the person we're selling to, like, yes, they have a need, but like oftentimes like they also have to consider other people's needs. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't like if you're buying health insurance for your family, you might be able to transact async, but if you're buying uh, health insurance for your, for your family and all of your employees, it requires like multiple calls, um, conversations and like the, the, the buyer journey is very different. Yeah. This is why, like, I think, probably everyone listening to this and probably you and me, when you go to a website and there's like a talk to sales button and there's no pricing information, there's no sign up. You're like, fuck this. Like, yep. <laughs> this is not how I want to buy. But the reality is some people do want to buy that way. Cause they're not like, if they demoed the product right there, they'd be like, well, this, this doesn't answer any of my questions. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, you, you can still like show the pricing, but like if I were evaluating, um, I guess like I, I, I didn't talk to sales for my CRM experience, but I was by myself at the time. So mm-hmm. like, I was that single user, uh, so I could evaluate everything. But if I was, if I had ten employees and I was buying a CRM for them, and I was, I, and I wasn't just going to default to Salesforce, like I'd want to talk to everyone. Like I'd want to demo a custom demo potentially. I'd want to, I'd have like lots of edge case questions. I might, I'd, I'd probably want to do a demo for my team to get them bought in. Mm-hmm. There's a whole like different process and consideration that a self sign up flow doesn't address. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So I'll I'll keep reporting back on this. Um, I think I'll, I'll once we have numbers, I'll, I'll share some numbers on how the existing talk to sales thing works, and then it's going to take a little technical work to get this to give Alex the ability to pop up a thing in a demo account and say, "Hey, do you want to hop on a call right now?" That that'll take a little bit to build, but uh, I, I think we're pretty much one hundred percent going to do it. So I'll uh, I'll report back. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. How about you? What's going on? You're building a sales team. This is. This is quite I, awesome. I, I would be shocked if we hire another salesperson. We're building up one salesperson. <laughs> You're starting a sales team. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. My first update is um, one of our core values at Legup Health is uh, recharge. And um, this is the first year we're actually practicing it. Uh, it's kind of, um, you kind of have to be profitable to be able to recharge. Like you can't just like be unprofitable and like be okay with you know, not doing something, but we hit yeah. profitability. So now we're like, okay, we can actually live our values. Um, it's kind of funny how that works, right? Like <laughs> default alive allows you to live your values. Default dead doesn't. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff you say in the early days that are, it's aspirational. It's not actually <laughs> true yet. <laughs> yep. Um, but, but anyway, um, it, it, it's been interesting to sort of watch his, um, you know, approach to coming off of this, like, adrenaline rush of our, our big season, which is like November 1st through January 15th. And it's been a month and just like every week he's just calmer, clearer, uh, more like, like kind of, you know, when like, uh, you know, a superhero like extracts energy from people and they're just like powering up. Like I can just see, I've watched that happen with JD over the last Hmm. few weeks. And it's like, okay, he's ready to pounce, man. Like I get, and so what, what that's doing for me is like, I'm actually feeding off that energy and going, okay, I've got to help JD. Um, um, and so it's a, it's a, it's really fun to, to work with him on, on that. Um, the main thing that we're focused uh, So, so one thing he's been working on while he's been recharging is, is just sort of start to like spend some time, uh, thinking about how do we grow ARR, um, with the profit first framework, which I've talked about in previous episodes. Um, 
it, it really incentivizes him to like grow ARR any way possible without any sort of constraints on a comp plan. Um, and so he's, you know, the first thing he said is like, I've got at least, I've got 10 to 20 clients worth, you know, anywhere from five to $15,000 in ARR that I could AOR today if I were, if we were licensed in Texas and mm. set up. And so it was like, that's a no brainer. Let's go do it now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> five to 15 each or total? Uh, 15 K total. Total. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Five to 15 K total. Um, and then, you know, once you start doing it, they have friends, you know, and so we get yeah, to yeah. test this local market. There's a whole like other reason to do this, which is where, uh, most, health insurance agents we talk to in terms of how they're growing, it's local networking, which JD is not able to do in Utah because he lives in Texas. And so unblocking that in Texas could be a huge growth unblock. There, there is like upside on getting, grabbing that 15 K five to 15 K, um, in era. Yeah. I mean, let's say it's 10. Yeah. That's 10% of the, the growth for the year, right? Cause the, basically <laughs> the goal is to go from hundred to 200. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, great. And so that's just consumers. Cool. <laughs> so, Oh, that's not even. Oh, okay. there's no employers. That's so, just like he has a bunch of friends. Yep, just in his coworking space. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so, so uh, the learning so far. So, so that was like, okay, let's go do that. And so he started going like, Rick, please, like, your job is to make sure we're licensed. Your job is to make sure we're appointed. Like, please do this. And so, um, I've gone. We've gotten uh, licensed in Texas now. Uh, the agency is licensed. I am licensed. JD is licensed. Um, we're now working through appointments, which is the biggest pain in the ass. Uh, <laughs> like these carriers, these, these insurance companies, the systems are like so bad. Uh, and so it, and it's different for every single one. Sometimes you have to go through a third party. The third party is like old school sales uh, a- insurance agent person like slime. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to offend people here. Like I don't like dealing with, with the G- they're called general agents. I do not like dealing with them. Um, I don't know whether I can trust them. I have, I have a great general agent here in Utah, but I, I like evaluated them over three, three dinners or three lunches to like, do I trust you? And like, I actually do mm-hmm. trust the, our, our general agent here in Utah, but they're only in Utah. Um, so we've got to like, I, 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 I am, it's such a, it's a very painful process, but got to do and it. What happens if you pick the wrong one? Like, what does this trust mean? How do they impact the business? So the thing that I am most was most worried about and I'm most worried about in Texas is when you sign up with the general agent, you're basically saying, you know, be my conduit to the insurance company, which means they are tied to your book of business. So if they wanted to like screw you, they could basically take your book um, and you'd have to go through the administrative process of transferring all the agents of records to your new book by getting reappointed. Mm. And so there's a big power like dynamic at play um, and risk, you know, sort of like this, uh, this risk that you take on by doing business with them. Um, and so one of the big things um, that I wanted in, in writing when we did our GA contracting in Utah was that if if we ever had a dispute, um, they would uh, make sure that uh, they, would tra- they would transfer the book of business to us, um, d- our direct line versus like making us go through the, the process. Gotcha. Hmm. Fun stuff. I guess that sounds miserable. And also that's why this business works is because, uh, tech entrepreneurs like me would never do that. And you will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but, but it just, it, it kind of signals like at some point, like if you're in all 50 States, like just managing the licensing, the insurance, cause you have to have errors and emissions insurance, the training yeah. and certifications, the continuing education, the carrier appointments, 
Um, I assume you become a general agent at some point if it's if you're big enough. Yes. So that's that. That's why it matters, right? Because eventually we want to go. There's extra uh, commission points that these uh, general agents are taking uh, for being the middleman, and so eventually mm-hmm. leg up will be big enough where we go direct, and we are the general agent for ourselves. Um, and that's when you have to move everyone off of the other yes. one. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, that's like the upside version. The other version is that there's a we get we get in a fight with our GA for some reason, um, and they. Or they just decide they want to be difficult and fire Terminator contract, which they can do right. anytime. Um, <laughs> but but uh, anyway, so so but like at some point, this is a full time job if we want to be in all fifty states. Um, but I, I think we'll be good with Utah and Texas for a while. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. I mean, you in a so there's a more general conversation in on podcasts like this about niching down. And geography is a way to niche down in certain, not with like SaaS so much, but with, with health insurance it is. Utah has, the whole state of Utah has, I believe, 3.3 3. million people in it. Mm-hmm. Texas has two cities that are twice that size. And then, you know, the total population of Texas is way, way bigger. So by by expanding into Texas, in a sense, maybe it's bad because there's more, it's a bigger, you know, competitive landscape, I would imagine. But the, the need to go outside of Texas is is a lot lower than the need to go outside of Utah, I would think. I, it, I agree. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, and and the fact that we don't have a team member located in any other state. Like the yeah. the major driving factor here is actually not Utah being a constraint on growth. It's JD's residents um, and right, you know, local geography. Um, At, right now, that's true. But I'm saying, like, now that it's it, because it happens to be Texas that he lives in. That means like it'll be a decade before <laughs> leg up health outgrows Texas, you yes. know? <laughs> yeah. And I think it would have been a decade for Utah too, if JD was mm. in Utah, to be honest. Yeah. The only reason like these leads exist is because he's bumping into them on the way to work. Yeah. Which is, which is just like kind of the point of like why we're doing this. Cause I think that there is a, a massive local networking thing. Um, so, and I, and we're missing out on it in Utah, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. Okay. So, but Texas is basically rolling. So you should start getting those, that, that 10,000 ish in ARR soon. We have to get appointed with the insurance companies first and it is very painful. Um, so we kind of knocked down, there's like, you know, licensing and then there's errors and admission updates. Those two, uh, have been knocked down. Um, but it's not like a day process. It's weeks that it's taken to get that done. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're working through the appointments now. And some some insurance companies are going to be like super fast and others like it might take a month. Yeah. And some we can't even appoint directly. We've got to find a GA for. Yeah. God. Sounds like a nightmare. Good yep. luck. Yep. Thanks. Can we, I, I've got to go in 12 minutes here. Can I, you've got something on here saying creating online identity for outreach. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Um, so, uh, okay. So, I um I don't really have time uh to be like the face of Leg Up Health and frankly like it's not my job like I have a win- I have a full time job and my my priority is windfall um as a as a, a key member of the team there but like I do want to help JD grow and I, I would love to like I always dream about like being able to hire like outsourced VAs who are really really good and can can add leverage to. Um, the leg up health business for a, a, a fraction of the cost it would take to hire a full time employee um, in the in the in you know in in you know Salt Lake City, um, mm-hmm. and so I was just thinking like, what if I like created a fake a, no not a fake a real identity for myself virtually because like this is a thing that's happening like people are creating mm-hmm. online versions of themselves that like are different and like you know 
and they have a name and they have a face, yeah. like an AI generated face. This is just so people can't connect it to your identity at Windfall, basically. No, it's it's more about like not I, what what if I do out. It's weird if I do outreach as Rick Lindquist and then introduce JD because people want to meet me and then they're like, "You bait and switched me." If mm. I if I reach out as an assistant to JD. I don't have that friction. I don't have like this ethical, mm-hmm. like bait and switch. I have an issue with like reaching out to someone and saying, can we schedule a meeting? And then going, Oh, the meeting's not with me. It's JD. But if right. I'm an assistant and that's my like persona, like I am reaching out on behalf of JD. Uh, I think that that like that solves the ethical dilemma for me. And then I can, you know, just be like, Hey, I'm virtual. I don't get on the phone. Sorry. Is this yeah, unethical? I don't... I don't think so. Um, and and this persona is this person called Rick? No. Is this like a different name? This is like a woman or a, or a a man that is like John or uh, uh, Elizabeth, yeah. um, and they have a like a virtual like an AI generated image. They have a LinkedIn profile, no phone number, and an email address at Lega Felt. Can I pivot to a topic on my mind at like at Lesson Wing CRM because I think it's related, mm-hmm. and then we can come back to yours. Yep. So. Uh, on the, so we have a position called CRM coach. We have eight CRM coaches. Most of them are women or present as feminine and there's all kinds of creepy people online. So it's, it's a different concern than the one you have, but this has led to an internal discussion recently of like, does everyone like they're worried, like a customer could find out who they actually are. And it's not that hard these days to find out where they live or something. And nothing bad has happened, but there's concern of like, it's just a matter of time before some creepy customer becomes attracted to their CRM coach and does something stupid. And so we're kind of talking about like, should we, you know, the, the far extreme version of this is make up a, an entirely different name, picture, everything for somebody. But maybe the the middle ground is just use first names and use little like animated instead of an actual photo of the person, which we use now, use like a drawing. So it kind of hide some of the details, that type of thing. So we're toying with doing that. Um, in this discussion, we, we've kind of had a similar conversation, what you're saying of like, you know, is it weird to use a different name or whatever? And I, my attitude is as long as like, the goal is to form an actual personal relationship with somebody. And as long as you're not misrepresenting yourself. So for example, if you're uh, a white man and you present yourself as a black woman, you've probably changed your identity to the point of like lying and being inauthentic. But if your name is uh, Michael and you say your name is David and everything else about you is the same, you're still presenting yourself in honest enough of a way that like, at least this has been our take that uh, it seems fine. Um, what, what's your take on what I just said? Yeah, I, I guess um, I haven't gotten... I guess that is the center of my question, which is like ethics. Um, where where I go for this is like I would what I want to ideally create is an identity that we can then hire other people. Like if I can prove out the identity online, I can then hire someone else to act as that identity. Um, and I never I'm I'm hiring people to supercharge this one person uh, mm-hmm. that, like online that. Uh, Maybe yeah. there's 10 people behind that person doing all kinds of stuff, but like I don't ever have that to, feels icky to me. Like, why? Why? Well, so first of all, I should say there's some early SaaS company. I think it was one of the early email marketing tools. I forget what it was. They had like a, their first hire was this customer service person that all their customers loved. And her name was like, I, I forget, but like Emma or something. Mm-hmm. And ask Emma. 
Yeah, and then everybody they hired from that, like Emma has left the company, yeah. and now they're like everyone they hire goes by Emma, and the customer still thinks it's the same person. I I've always thought this feels to me. It's manipulative. What I, what I was saying earlier of like, my name's Michael, but I go by David. You're not manipulate. You're not trying to get the person to think something untrue about you in, in a way that's, it, it's like the difference between a lie versus just being wrong. Like there's intent behind it. You're trying to change someone. Anyway, to me, if you're actually trying to get the person to believe something that benefits you and isn't true, rather than just a total neutral alias because of some reason that's valid. They feel different to me. Okay. So you're, also you're basically saying strike me as, you're basically yeah. saying that what I want to do is not ethical. No, in your I, view. I don't think it's necessary. If you hire another person, like people aren't forming a relationship with this VA, they're forming a relationship with JD. Like, why does this? If you hire someone, why do they even need your name? Like, why do all ten people need to share the same name in this scenario? Consistency across like multiple people working different hours fractionally. Like uh, one conversation. But isn't this person just setting up a call with JD? Like they're not actually forming a relationship with the person. I think I think the the minute that you interact with someone, you're forming a relationship with someone. So like I, I mean, but I, it's it's not like it's the, transactional. It's transaction. It's a transactional relationship, correct? So you think it's, it's not like a it's not intimate at all. I, I what I'm saying is it does. They're not going to remember this person's name. They're not going to think about this person again. It doesn't. There's no benefit to you in in crossing that line, in my opinion. Okay. I Would it be unethical to do it? I don't know. Like low key, like a, a type of unethical that I could live with, but it feels a little icky. That's my take. I mean, you're asking about this. You must have a little bit of that doubt in you. I mean, it's, I, I, I it's interesting. Like I see the other side of this, um, you know, which is like, uh, I've listened to, uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was during COVID. There was a big spur, like splurge of like, people um, assuming like online identities that were vastly different um, Mm -hmm. than, um, than themselves, than like their core identities. And like, you know, allowing them to like express themselves in ways that they're not allowed to. And their like their, their um, core identity or like their real reality. I don't know what you call it. Real identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and there's like, merits to that um and that is what it's allowing will allow me to do in a lot of ways is like i don't want i i want to be an assistant to jd in this case i don't want my my personal brand and reality to get in the way of that um so i'm fine with that part i to, to me where you cross so if there is and, and i'm fine with crm coaches at lessening crm saying i don't want to use my last name or even i want to change my first name for safety reasons there's like a good reason behind it and it's not really manipulating any the, the customer in a way that feels wrong to me but there's a difference between that versus saying so, so like okay rick you want to go by a different name and say you're jd's assistant which can technically be true all you have to do is type an email saying hey jd i'm your assistant now and it's true uh there's a difference in my mind between that versus saying now you hire another person to actually be his assistant and they're going to share the same name as you and you're pretending two people are one. That is pure manipulation. It's not, in my opinion, a valid, like, I'm presenting myself authentically, but there's just a bunch of baggage that was in the way. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think there's nuance between like what you're saying and what like what, what I'm saying, but I, I generally think I... I understand, I understand what you're saying and I, I, I agree in general. Um, cool. 
Thank you. That was helpful. Well, our old, our, our kind of former boss, Paul Zane Pilzer did this all that he was his own secretary, right? Because he was always like, I hate assistants. I hate secretary. Or like, <laughs> he was like, it's easier to do it myself. But he had, what was her name? I forget. He, he had like a made Kathy up email Earnshaw. address. Kathy Earnshaw. Yeah. And so he'd be emailing with, because he was kind of a big shot. <laughs> and he'd be emailing with people who think they're talking to his assistant. It's just him. I always yeah. thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it allowed him to like save him, save his like, it saved himself time, um, significant time. But, but what it allows you to do is qualify people. That's not even what I'm doing in this case. It's really like, um, it's really more about uh, uh, being able to to act as an assistant versus be. It's just enabling the the function better. Um, yeah. So cool. Thank you for talking to me about that. Um, I don't know if I'll do it, but it's something I was thinking about. And I was just curious to get your take on. Yeah. No, I think it's a cool idea. Anything and we're, else? We're also probably moving ahead with our. Some version of our alias thing oh, cool, as well. Cool. What? Uh, anything on your mind that you want to talk about before we jump? Um, pa, 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 pa. I've got to go in a couple minutes, so I'll, I'll skip to just a fun story time. Um, I love the events we do at Lesson Wing CRM, and uh, the person who plans them has been just on fire planning good ones. And I just thought I'd share a little bit of what we've been doing. Oh, cool. So, first of all, have you ever been to a bingo hall? Like, is it, is this we've like all a, played bingo like in school, but have you gone to like real bingo where it's gambling? Like a community center or like one where like people can lose all their money? One where people can lose all their money. Never. No, <laughs> but I, I think I've heard, I've heard about this. I've, I think I've met people. Is this like big in like Asian culture? I'm not sure. The one we went to was very like, like old St. Louis white people okay. uh, <laughs> bingo, but cool. Uh, it was, it was ridiculous it was so intense we we thought we were going to go there and laugh and talk and have fun if you talked people would shush you people would be like, Shh, we're trying to win money here uh that was wild we did a thing we called the mediocre talent show where everybody it was a talent show but you weren't allowed to do anything you're actually that good at uh so people like one person did speed walking uh one person did um like kind of slam poetry uh or whatever it's called Four of us formed a band and we played Holy Diver by Dio, if you're familiar with that old classic metal song. And then the, the, the one that's coming up that I'm excited for is PowerPoint Night, where everyone gets five minutes to present a PowerPoint on any topic they want. And I'm excited to do foods that are overrated, starting with In-N-Out. That's my presentation. <laughs> In-N-Out's burgers are actually way better than Jack in the Box. Yeah, In-N-Out's burgers are great. Their fries suck, and if you only have two food items on the menu and one of them sucks, it's overrated. you can't be as good as in and out. And anyway, I'm so excited <laughs> to present this to the world. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. And this, these are just like culture building activities? What, what is this? Like, yeah. I'm smart. Yeah, culture building. And I, I, I do think, you know, it's been over two years since anyone left the company. I, I think like at some point people are actually just friends and like hanging out. So it is deliberate, like we should do this as a company, but I also think there's an element of just like, hey, wouldn't it be fun to do this? Let's go do it. Totally. So just thought I'd share that if anyone needs inspiration for company events. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, um, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to uh, see the uh, slides of whatever you come up with. Yeah, we can. I'll, I'll run through the whole presentation on the podcast for everyone. No, Perfect. No, yeah. Put them in the slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, thank you for um, uh, listening, and I'll see you next week, Tyler. See you.